We are going to be back in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. Uh, if you are following, we have moved from 17 to 18 and now to 19. It's amazing how God uh, just flows, and I'm excited uh, about this message this morning. Now, I don't know if you have ever been there. You might be more spiritual than me. You might be more connected with the Lord than me, but I want to preach on, for just a few moments, on the thought of, God, I can't do this anymore. You see, there are times when we reach uh, places in our life, and I don't want to start preaching yet, but, but this is true, where we feel like we can't go any farther and do any more. Let's read this this morning. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, that he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Can you repeat that with me? It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him. Can you say that with me? An angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked and there was by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him. Can you say, and the angel of the Lord... Touched him again and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Don't you just hate a tattletale? I mean, here's Ahab, the king of Israel, and he goes and tells his little wife all that uh, Elijah had done. What a weak and pathetic leader King Ahab was. His wife Jezebel, how many by raising of hand have ever heard of a Jezebel spirit? Many times we teach this wrong, and what it simply is, is a spirit that tries to take authority over who should be the leader. It doesn't matter if it's a woman or a man, there can be a Jezebel spirit that wants to take authority over the situation. And Jezebel had done that very thing. And we look at this scripture, and Ahab goes to his wife and he begins to tell her, you know those prophets that you appointed and those prophets of Baal, the ones that you liked so much uh, because they were uh, professing the religion 
description from Sidonia, from where you're from. You know that? You know those those prophets? Honey, they're all dead. Elijah has had them slain. You had to be there, honey. The fire fell from heaven and consumed uh, the, uh, the, the, the sacrifice upon the altar. And all it did was enrage Jezebel, and she threatens the man of God. Now look where Elijah was. He had prayed, and the rain stopped. Face-to-face -face confrontation with Ahab. He had prayed that the little widow woman who took care of him, her son, revived and came back to life. He had prayed and fire fell from heaven. He had prayed and the rain after a three and a half year hiatus had started again. And then if that wasn't enough, he tells Ahab, you better get down off of this mountain, for there is coming a gully washer, uh, Kentucky talk. It's coming, it's going to happen. And if that wasn't enough, he puts on his robe, hikes it up, and runs ahead of Ahab and the chariot, and makes his way to, to Jezreel ahead of Ahab. You're talking about victory, you're talking about a little woman and she tells him if I don't make you like one of those prophets that you have killed then woe unto me where was Elijah what was Elijah thinking he was afraid anybody ever been afraid I've been afraid before I, I don't mind to admit it there's been times when I worried and I was fretted and I was fearful and, and I remember a time that I was scared of the dark. Anybody else remember that time? And I remember people jumping out uh, uh, from behind things and scaring me and I, and I didn't like that. And I remember my wife, uh, I'd come home from work and she'd be hiding behind something and she'd jump out and scare me and I'd go into that karate move. Come on, you know, I'm ready to defend myself. If we're truthful, all of us can say that we have been fearful at times. Here's Elijah. He's fearful. He's afraid. Fear grips his heart and he does not know what to do. So he does what he can do. Elijah must have been a marathon runner. He runs for his life to a place where Ahab had no authority. And I tell you that you currently live in a place, if you know the Lord is your Savior, where Ahab, the enemy, really has no authority. He's not in charge, though he thinks he is. And he has no authority, but many times we don't just recognize that. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil has no authority over me. Charles Spurgeon said this of Elijah, he who was the most courageous of all men, fled from an angry woman. Women, you don't know the power you have. Elijah was afraid 
but he was also discouraged. Discouraged means having lost confidence or enthusiasm. Disheartened with the situation. Anybody ever been discouraged in your life? Every hand in the building ought to be raised if you are human in any way. You have been discouraged. You have had a lack of courage, a lack of joy in your life, a lack of, uh, of heart that said you can keep going no matter the situation. We have all been there. Each and every one of us. So Elijah was discouraged. He thought that surely the fire falling from Mount Carmel would change the spiritual coincidences, the spiritual atmosphere of the country, that it would uh, bring everyone back to the Lord, including the political regime of Ahab and Jezebel. But it didn't. So what did Elijah do? He ran. And he went into the wilderness. There's something about the wilderness and leaders in the Bible. And he secludes himself. But can I tell you, it's not always good to be alone. We look at Elijah and the first time that God speaks to him and says, pray that there be no rain. He says, go to Cherith and there hide by the brook. Be alone with God. Get energized and get uh, ready for what I'm calling you to do. But here Elijah takes it upon himself and he goes and hides and he secludes himself. And there are times when we don't need to be alone. There are times when we need the help of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. God did not create us to be alone in all of this. We're not designed. God looked at Adam and the one thing in all of creation that he said was not good was that Adam was alone. Elijah, discouraged, runs and hides. He's depressed. He's discouraged. And he prays that he would die. That's pretty extreme, isn't it? Extremely discouraged. And many times when we get discouraged, there are reasons why we get discouraged. Some of them true, and some of them a figment of our imagination. For when we are in an emotional state, we don't always think clearly. Now some of this is very practical. But you'll see some of, it, of this is spiritual aspect of the thing as well. So why was Elijah discouraged? Because it, to him it was apparent that he had failed. It looked like his mission had come up short. That everything that he had done was in vain. That the very purpose of his struggle and his life appeared to be ending in failure. When it feels like the whole world is against you, when it feels like there's no way that you can accomplish what God has called you to do. And if you think your pastor is exempt from this kind of feeling, I want you to know that sometimes it hits me and sometimes I let it stay on me longer than it ought to. But there comes a time that you've got to shake it off. There comes a time that you've got to move forward. We see that Elijah will eventually move forward. But Elijah was also struggling with emotional 
loneliness. He felt all alone. Nobody else, God, is serving you. That's what he said. Nobody else. I alone am a prophet of God. Everybody else has abandoned you, God. That's literally the way Elijah is speaking to him. And it's not unfamiliar feelings, for Paul had similar feelings. While in prison, Paul wrote, At my first defense, no one came to stand beside me. All deserted me. And we know that's not really true. But that's what he felt. Sometimes your feelings are not true. Sometimes you've got to bypass your feelings and understand what has God truly told me. What has he promised me? What has God said that uh, is going to happen in my life? He was lonely. Nobody's trying to serve you like I am God. Why do I even try? That's where he's at in his life. But beyond that, he was physically exhausted. Now, we underplay this because we think in the spirit. But can I tell you, you cannot flow in the spirit if you are so exhausted. If you have overdone it. How many ever overdone it? If you have overextended yourself. And if you have not had the time that you need to feed your body and to get the proper rest. That is about one of the most physical, spiritual things that you can do is to get the proper rest that you need. Sometimes the most anointed thing you do is take a nap. When life gets too hard, sometimes just a nap will change your attitude. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes just get enough sleep. I don't know if I was exhausted last night. I know I was a little bit tired. And my wife must have been too. Because I woke up at 9.45 p.m. And went back to bed. And my wife was already asleep. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is to get enough rest. And so Elijah says, it is enough. It's been a long and rough journey, God. My body and my mind are at its limits. I have done everything that I can do and everything that I know to do. God, I can't do this anymore. Anybody can relate to that. Uh, God, I just can't go any farther. It's too stressful. It's too exhausting. It seems I've accomplished nothing. Those of us who have a deep desire, and you should, to see people get saved and want for the Lord, is that sometimes people don't take your good advice. And they go off and they do their own thing because they're hard-headed. And they can't learn from your mistakes. And so sometimes people don't get saved even though you give them the best of you and the best information and you've witnessed to them and you've done all that God has called you to do. Sometimes people won't come to the Lord. And it is discouraging because you know what you got. And God's been better to you than anybody has ever been to you. We've all felt like giving up. We've all felt like throwing in the towel. What did Elijah do? He ate and he slept. He got the needed rest and replenishment. He was speaking out of despair 
and discouragement. Or just let me die. That's extreme. Aren't you glad for some unanswered prayers? Oh, Lord. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't go any farther. God, uh, I'm done with all of it. Peace out, God. I just don't want to do anymore. God, just take your calling from me and call me on to heaven. I can't do this anymore, God. But God knows the extremes of what you are called to do. And he will let you get your rest and he will let you eat, eat and recuperate and replenish because he knows there is something. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Greater ahead for you. So get your rest and get ready for God is getting ready to do something mighty and powerful through you and through the anointing that is placed upon your life. Can't do this. Paul said, I have a desire to depart, to be with Christ, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. What is he saying? I want to die more than I want to live. That's what Paul said. But nevertheless, because it's better for you, I'm going to stay. It's better for the world that you stay if God's not done with you. God's called you to do something mighty in the kingdom of God. No matter how inferior you feel, no matter if it feels like you have failed, no matter how emotional you may be, God has still called you to do something in the kingdom of God. Here's the amazing thing. The angel didn't say, oh, come on now, Elijah. You know you can go a little farther. You know you can do a little more. No, the angel said, I agree with you. You can't do any more. So the angel did what? Touched him. Touched him. The angel come from, the, probably the, it was the angel of the Lord that you hear about later on. Is the angel of the Lord. The Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get back in the bed. Now, don't go to sleep on me this morning. They'll know I'd give you permission to. And he touches him. And he strengthens him. The angel is in agreement. Elijah had to learn just like we do. That it is not by my power, nor by my strength, but by the strength of the Holy Spirit. But my spirit, says the Lord. The angel of the Lord touches him. And the best thing that we can ever do is recognize that we need a touch from God. Lord, I need a touch. For we know that we have a great calling, a great witness in this last day. We know that this church is called uh, to do greater and more abundant things, God. But we need a touch from you, Lord. Touch us. Give us not only the physical things that we need, but the spiritual things so that we can complete the mission. Here's the good news. God knows how to take care of his children. Isn't that good news? God is not surprised when you are too tired. 
We need the rest, the recuperation, not forever, but for a time. Twice Elijah eats and goes to sleep. I must have been some good filling food. How many ever just ate so much of Thanksgiving that's like, I just got to take a nap. Uh, I, I, I love the, the, the way that God treats Elijah here. Elijah was a mighty man of God. And he gets up from this, and he travels for 40 days and 40 nights, a 200-mile trip on two meals. How many want some of that kind of thing? Yes. A mighty man of miracles. But he was not exempt from his own trials. And here's where it gets really good. But once he gets up, God sends him to a certain place, Mount Horeb. And when you look at that, you think, I don't know those mountains over there. What is that mountain? What does that mean? It's the same place as Mount Sinai, where the very power and presence of God comes down upon the mountain, lightnings and thunders. Moses goes up into the mountain and God communicates with him and God gives him the commandments and the law. What a powerful thing. Elijah exhausted to the extreme level. It has to be touched by the Lord two times. Eat and sleep two times. But when he gets up, he has been empowered not only physically but spiritually. And he is on his way to the presence of God. That's what Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai uh, symbolizes to the very Shekinah glory of God that Thank you. 